All right, well, here we go again. Kevin Barker. Another big series for the Toronto Blue Jays. And by my count, this is now the 14th big series of the year for the Blue Jays. Remember that when they play Minnesota or anybody? 14th big series of the year for the Jays. First of three tonight at the Trop against the Tampa Bay Rays. And, well, what can go wrong? The Rays are running out a starting pitcher that the Jays haven't seen before. And Shane Boz, one of their, uh, one of their top prospects, their top pitching prospect, one of the top pitching prospects in the game. Kevin, he's a Rays pitcher. He throws a bazillion miles an hour. Yeah. And as I mentioned, the Jays haven't the Jays haven't seen him. So we'll have we'll have time to break down Shane Boz later on. Uh Ben Wagner will join us. Chris Singleton of ESPN joins us as well. Dante Bichette at six o'clock, special advisor with the Blue Jays. He's with the team in Tampa right now. But before we look ahead to the race series, Kevin, I want to I want to take a look back the weekend before we move it on. Uh, Jays taking two or three from Minnesota. Kind of a it was it was a cool weekend of the ballpark. A lot happened. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu went on the 10-day IL. Uh, as I mentioned, the Jays took two of three. More home runs. They had the whole thing with Vladdy and Josh Donaldson yesterday, which was kind of cool at the yeah. end of the game. The two of them exchanging exchanging jerseys. Jose Barrios, again, another strong start for the Blue Jays. But let's let's begin our discussion with... The I, I guess the immediate news of the day, if you want to call it that, Shai Davidi reporting that uh, Ross Stripling threw a side session today at the Trop. He will pitch on Wednesday, which is Hyunjin Ryu's next start. Whether that is as a regular starter or as a bulk pitcher in an opener situation remains to be seen. I, I would be stunned if Charlie tells us that any time before, maybe after Tuesday's game. I mean, I wouldn't if I was him. I'd keep my... He's not going to. Keep the cards close to the vest as possible. So let's start there, because that is that the, the news with Hyunjin Ryu going on the IL yesterday with the strained neck. It's not connected, the Jays are telling us, not connected to the forearm strain he talked about, or the forearm stiffness he talked about after that start against the Yankees. But Kevin, he's coming off. Two really bad starts. Uh, he hasn't had starts that bad since, what did I say? I went back and looked. I believe it was 2015, 2017 when he was with the, uh, when he was with the Dodgers. Uh, he was left off the postseason roster at that point. Uh-huh. So let's, let's, let's talk about that. The injury to Hyunjin Ryu, uh, look, the Jays are telling us they expect that he'll miss one start. There is nobody in the organization who would be willing to bet their house in it just being one start. It's that simple. The suggestion is that, uh, well, frankly, the suggestion is that we just won't know about Hyunjin Ryu. Okay, his next, this next start will be scheduled the first game against the Yankees at home. You pitching him then? Not a chance. Absolutely not. The the three games against Baltimore at home probably maybe the most important three games of the year. Would he pitch any three of those if you don't have to pitch him? For me, no. So to say that this might be the 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 last time you see Ryu in the regular season of twenty twenty one, you could say that. I mean, I think there's I I I think there's a chance. Now where it gets, I, I guess where it gets a little. 
you know, if the Jays have, if the Jays have their postseason situation wrapped up going into that final series against Baltimore, and there's a chance their 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 magic number, quote unquote, is twelve. So uh, if they get it wrapped up going into that series against Baltimore, then maybe you see, maybe you start here on Jin Ryu and see what he's got. See what he's got with an eye towards making a decision, uh, with an eye yeah. towards making the decision with the trade well, deadline well, coming plan, up. Here you, goes, by the way, it's 2017. The last time Hyunjin Ryu had starts where he threw, where he was gone after two and a third, two innings. It's 2017, the end of the season. He was left off the Dodgers roster for all three postseason series. That included the World Series mm-hmm. loss. Uh, so uh, so it's, this has happened before. Like down the stretch, yes. he's, you know, he started to lose stuff. Location of stuff, the home runs that he's allowed in the last seven starts—that's alarming. Which is eight. Mm-hmm. That's alarming. You know, he's—he's. He's, if you noticed uh, against really good teams, he's had issues. You know, his clunkers are against the White Sox. The last one against the Orioles, right? It's a free swinging team. He's—he relies a little bit on you take this pitch so I can set you up for the next pitch. Orioles, you know, the lineup—they really don't do that. So you could understand that. But he—he did have one against the Twins. He had one against the A's. He had one against the Astros. So. You know, some of his bad starts or most of his bad starts against really good lineups that you have to set up. You have to have quality stuff. You have to have all your pitches. It just seems like, you know, for whatever reason, it's extension, it's arm speed, it's arm slot, it's all the above, it's age. You know, and you'd have to ask yourself, to, to more to your point, say say the, the three games against Baltimore, or, well, at least probably two out of the three really don't matter, and you want to start him in one of these to see, just to see, if in the ALDS, you might need him. You might want to start him. That might be when you pitch him. But if you need those three games, for me, he's not pitching. Like there's, there's better options. Like you're right now. Just oh, right, to, now he's my, right now, he's my fifth start. Yeah, exactly. Right. right now, he's my fifth start. And if, if you have to have a start and you have to have a game, he ain't the one pitching it. No. That, that's, that's what this comes down to. And, you know, the, not, not to say that he hasn't been a really good pitcher for the Blue Jays. He has. But right now, with every single one of these games mattering the way they do for this, for this team, and you have better options. The uh, Jays wrapped up their series yesterday, scoring five first-inning runs. It was a 5-3 win. Jose Barrios, again, uh, had a terrific start. Trevor Richards solid in relief. We've got to talk about the bullpen later on, and we will as we get you set for that. The Jays have won seven of their last nine, 15 of their last 18. They've won seven consecutive series. We mentioned they are playing Tampa tonight. Tampa has got the AL East title wrapped up this is more or less wrapped up mm-hmm. the, these are the standings right now as we uh as as we enter today's as we enter today's action the red sox they have today off they lead the wild card by a game up on the blue jays they will start a series against the mets tomorrow the mets are in the wild card race obviously in the national league or in the postseason race the yankees are a game and a half behind the jays and they are starting a series against the Texas Rangers. Oakland is two back. They are at home to Seattle. Seattle is four back. They are at home to Oakland. So Seattle and Oakland, who are still very much in the picture, mm-hmm. are playing each other. The Yankees are taking on the Texas Rangers. You mentioned the Jays have got three against Tampa Bay, and the Red Sox uh, have, have a day off. The Jays currently have played 149 games. They've got two games in hand over the Red Sox. They'll lose one of those games tonight. So, Kevin, as we sit here going into this series, 
against Tampa. Just talk about where this team is after those three games. Not in the standings, but after those three games against Minnesota. Vladdy continues to go on a roll. We think he's, he's complicating the MVP race. Whether or not he beats Shohei, I'm not going to get in. that. That's an argument for another day. But let's just say that Vladdy is complicating the MVP race in a good How about way. we say he is the MVP, but he's not going to get it? How about we say that? He is the most valuable player How about in baseball. we say that? There you go. Well, at least in the American League. In, in the American League. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, Bryce yeah. Harper in the National League right now is making a case I'll for that. You, but... well, I'll put it this way. If I had an MVP vote, which I used to have when I was a writer, if I had an MVP vote right now, I'm not voting for Shohei Otani. No. Um, what Shohei Otani's done is great. It's odd. Yeah. But he's not the best hitter in the game. Not one of the best hitters in the game. Was he hitting? What was his average right now? Two, 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 average two, 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 fifty six. He's a good offensive player, but he's not he's not the best at that, and he's not the best pitcher in the game. So if I have an MVP vote, plus his team again, they I, get, I get back to his team stinks. There you go. And and he's he's he has has, he hasn't played in a lot of really meaningful games. So That's I'm, not his I'm fault, going though. to No, but it's not. But, yeah, it is, kind of. It is his fault? It's, it's that, kind of that, his fault. If, if you're the most fighting. If, if, if you're got hurt and Mike Trout no, got but the hurt point is, and, the, and their front office didn't do anything to yeah. take care of their pitching, that's not his fault. Yeah. I, you know, did, where, did he, where did he? Vladdy is carrying a team to a postseason berth. Where's Shohei Otani carrying the Angels? Anyhow. I mean, uh, that, uh, I don't want to have that. The, the point is, Vladdy, you got to like Vl- where Vladdy where he is right now. Yep. Uh, got to like Bo where he is right now. We talked about the, the rotation. God help this team, Kevin, if that trade for Jose Barrios isn't made. The bullpen looks a little more stable now. Jordan Romano, Tim Meza, Adam Simber, and, and Trevor Richards have... Because the rotation is better, all of a sudden those guys are starting to be used when they're supposed they got to be. Their, they got their second wind. This, That's what it is. Going into this series again, this may be the best the Jays have looked and have felt about themselves going into a series against the Rays. You know, I, I understand they had, they've had successful series against the Rays in the past, but they yeah. look really also, good. Also, right also the Rays are sort, sort of limping around here. Offensively, they're not scoring as many runs as they were. They've lost two in a row. They've what, lost uh, six out of their last ten. Look, it's you know you, I think you got the right guys matched up, except the last game of that series. If you're the Blue Jays, uh, offensive wise, look, you just continue to do what you're doing. George Springer for me, you know what's he going to give you? Can he give you anything? Can he have better at bats? Can he help out a little bit? You know, you can mm-hmm. tell you, when when you don't have your foundation, it's like anything. It's any sport whatsoever. When you don't have your foundation and you're favoring something, and you can tell he's he's an easy out right now. Well, what do you do with him? Would you would you have enough nerve to to not play him for a couple of days? Is, is he is he just a presence in the lineup enough to make that pitcher early in a game have to have his great stuff? Maybe that's what it's all about. Maybe it's not getting hits. Maybe it's more about the presence and. Having quality pitches have to be thrown to you early in games, and, and that helps out the guy behind you. I, I don't know what the right answer there is. I'd rather have him in the lineup than not having him in the lineup. That's just me. It's you know, but yeah, I'm, okay, I'm okay. D. I'm okay. DHing him, provided Semyon, Vladdy, Bo, and Teoscar are contributing. I I think that lineup looks better with George Springer. I think there's 
I, and I, I don't know how to quantify this, but even the games or his at-bats have not been that good. The guys who followed him have had good at-bats for the most part, and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm kind of a believer, and Springer's back in the lineup today. I'm, I'm kind of a believer right now with this team in not screwing around with stuff. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that pops out to you, you really don't want Bo leading off. At least I don't. He's more valuable for me coming up now that he has his little nice approach. You've noticed he's he's sort of canned the big leg mm-hmm. kick. He'll occasionally do it, I think, because he feel he he feels frisky against a certain guy. He thinks because the guy's not throwing very hard that he can create a little loft in his swing with the big giant leg kick, and it's okay. But you see guys that throw a little harder that can locate. He's he's eliminated that now. It's two strike approach. Oh oh. But I, I like him hitting cleanup. You know, you, you've been screaming that. You like him coming up when it matters with runners on base. You know, he can use the whole field. He can hit velocity now because of the two-strike approach. And I just don't think it's fair to him to move him in a leadoff spot. I really don't, especially this time of the year. And then you ask him to to do what he's supposed to do at shortstop. It's just a lot to ask. So, with that said, you, you leave George where you leave George. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, he can he – can, you know, take a deep breath and, and exhale at the right time to to have a, a at least a, to hit against that firm front side. That's the one thing you can see. Velocity always beating him, mm-hmm. and and with not having a foundation, that that's what hurts it. You know, I think uh, Ian he has strong enough hands, he has quick enough bat that the that the foundation doesn't really matter. But the velocity away, and the you know the way they sprinkle in the, the secondary pitches and fastball counts, that's sort of giving him an issue. But I just think the presence is what it is, and and. Uh, I would say this. If you ask Charlie, 13 games left, where this team's at, your bullpen, uh, first of all, most people that matter are healthy. Your rotation is where it is besides Ryu. Your defense is playing the way they're playing. You said 13 games left. This is what it looks like. He would say, I'll take that every day and twice on Sunday. You don't think think that that some of those games – you don't think if if he was in the dugout – with John Schneider beside him and Pete Walker beside him, watching Rafael Dolis pitch, you don't think a few'd whisper it in their ears, guys, it's okay. Yeah, thirteen games left. This is what it's and it's all be. about Tim Mason. It's all about Jordan Romano now. How about that? This is the Jays lineup for tonight. Again, the first of three seven oh seven first pitch uh, on sorry seven ten first pitch on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan George Springer's leading off. Marcus Semyon is hitting second. Vladdy is at first. He's hitting third. Bo is in the cleanup spot. Teoscar Hernandez in right. Alejandro Kirk behind the plate. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and left. Randall Gritchick gets the start in center. Jake Lamb is at third base. For the Rays, no Wander Franco again. He uh, will be, he's expected to be activated, according to Kevin Cash, possibly on Friday. So the Jays won't have to worry about seeing him this series. Yandy Diaz leads off. Nelson Cruz hitting second. Randy Rosarena, Manuel Margot, Jordan Luplau, Luplo, however you pronounce it, mm. Joey Wendell, Francisco Mejia, Taylor Walls, Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, Mike Zanino's got three home runs against Robbie Ray, not starting, uh, not starting tonight against Robbie Ray. And, and uh, just to, to give you a little bit of sort of Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray against the Rays, this is his sixth start of the season mm-hmm. against the Rays. Throwing seven innings in each of those last four outings. Uh, he has a career 12.89 strikeouts per nine innings against Tampa Bay. That's the second highest in Major League history, only behind Garrett Coles. Mm-hmm. He struck out 46 Tampa Bay batters this season. 
uh, tied for the single most in a or the most in a single season in MLB history for a pitcher against one team. So there we are. The Blue Jays, as we mentioned, uh, they are 15 and three in September, the best record in the Ooh. majors. They're averaging 7.44 runs a game. Bo Bichette, we talked about, his last 11 games. He's hitting 386, five homers, 15 ribbies. He's a 1.19 OPS. Vladdy, the triple crown watch, 321 average. That's first in the American League. 46 home runs. That first, that's first in the American League. And 106 RBIs. That's tied for fourth. And further, Kevin, to your talking about the Jays' rotation, after Jose Barrios' start yesterday, the Jays' rotation leads the majors in wins, innings pitched, and strikeouts. Is top in the AL in whip, strikeouts to walks, home runs per nine innings, and opponents' OPS since acquiring Jose Barrios at the trade deadline. So that gets to Kevin's point about where things are with this team. Yeah, they're they're. You could argue. Yeah, now I'm not saying they are, but you could argue they're the, they're right there with the race. They're right there with the Astros. The White Sox, for me, you put you put the Blue Jays in, in the central. It'd probably look a little bit like what the White Sox are doing. So we're going to leave them out of the mix. But you put them right there with the Astros. You, just the way that, – that, for me, is the separator. If When you have a Steven Matz who can book in the other three guys – forget about Ryu right now because of what he's going through. But when you got Steven Matz who's adding the confidence and, and you know, is, is starting to be able to throw more strike ones, having a little bit better command of the two-seamer. You can do that. You know, he always talks about going deeper in games. Well, those, those for me are the two things that he could go deeper in games with. Throw more strike ones, right? Be a little bit more efficient with the two-seamer. Be able to go away with it to a righty. In, in to it with a lefty. You can do that. Maybe you're looking at, you know, seven and a third instead of more six and a third and six and two-thirds. But can't argue what he's doing. Like, his, his, he's like a whole different person. Uh, before Chris Singleton joins us, and and as always, five ninety five ninety is the text line. Before Chris Singleton joins us, Kevin, I, I because I know we're going to have a lot to talk about with the Rays coming up, and again, Dante Bichette joins us. But I, I want to talk a little bit about Jose Barrios and and what he uh, what he has done since joining this team. Look, I, I I made a point today in my column for Sportsnet.ca. I think this acquisition, this this team has made pitching acquisitions in the past when it's been successfully, you go back to 92, 93, everybody knows the impact that, uh, that Jack Morris and David Cohen had on those teams. Dwayne Ward came in a trade for Doyle Alexander before, and then people know that this team has made other pitching acquisitions uh, on the cusp of the postseason. You think of course, to Alex Anthopoulos in 2015, adding David Price. And of course, last year, the Jays added Robbie Ray at the trade deadline, which has turned out to be a pretty good ad. But, Kevin, watching Barrios yesterday, two things came to mind. One, if you don't have Jose Barrios, given what's happening to Hyunjin Ryu right now, you're, you're, you're in red alert because now Ross Stripling's one of your, <laughs> one of your starters. But secondly, watching him work yesterday and just the way that team plays defense behind him because he's such a good fielder. And yeah. his rhythm and, and time, when he's on, he doesn't screw around. I, I think Jose Barrios, I, I just think that is a huge ad. That things have fallen into place in terms of pitching 
since the Jays got Jose Barrios. Yeah, well, it's not it's not bad when you can throw two number ones at, at a at a pretty good team. You know, the Twins got a pretty good lineup. Yeah. You know, they're not winning a bunch of games, but they got a lineup that if you miss, oh, they're they'll, gonna they'll, hit, they'll, they'll hurt make, you. They'll make you pay for it. But for me, last night it was it was more about the backdoor slider to lefties. You know, when you're facing that many lefties in one lineup, that's a big deal. Uh, his changeup misses were were pretty good. Does he have the best variety of stuff in the team? I'm not saying best stuff, but in terms of number of pitches quality and variety does he have the best yeah, of anybody yeah, in this I th- team i think he's got more to offer to to, to both hitters right you know he could go up and in at 94 to 96 to a lefty with a four seamer he could go front hip a lefty at 94 to 96 it's the velocity is not going to go down you know there's not going to be any difference any drop off between his sinker and his four seamer which is a huge deal because if i'm a hitter that means i can let the ball travel a little bit more i could that way i could pick up spin and, and enables me to lay off a certain pitch. I, I think him able to throw first pitch strikes with secondary pitches, that's a big deal. His misses with the changeup, that's a huge deal. You know, you don't want to miss with 84 down the middle to a team that hit homers because they mm-hmm. like to backspin baseballs. That was a big deal. You know, it was starting at a strike, ending up a ball most of the time with the changeup. That's a big deal. And like I mentioned, you know, he was 15 out of 27 with first pitch strikes. That could be better, right, if you're if you're picking. That could be better. The command of the sinker could have been better yesterday. I know he was really good yesterday, but but if you want to pick at things and and see things that he could be better at, which would make him better against better teams, better lineups who are going to be more aggressive on their pitch, you know, the sinker command would have, could have been a little bit better. But I'm with you. The athleticism, uh, you know, that that change he made with his delivery, it's it's quieter, it's repeatable. Uh, that allows him to to have the same arm slot all the time. And, you know, the curveball that I call a curveball that looks like a curveball that he calls a slider. So we're going to call it a slider. He probably knows himself. Call a slurve. Nah, yeah, I don't like that because he's got two different ones. He's got one he can flip back That's door fair. to a lefty. That's fair. He can flip one in there to a righty to get ahead. And then he's got the two to seven one that he gets out there a little bit more and can eliminate a lefty and a righty. So I'm with you. He's exactly what the doctor ordered. And that's what I said. This is why for me – this is why this team can match up against the Astros and the Rays is because of those two guys. He is one of our favorites. He is Chris Singleton, ESPN analyst. He'll join us when we come back. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to Baseball Central. 7-10 is the first pitch tonight. Robbie Ray continuing his hunt for the American League Cy Young Award against Shane Boz, who will be making his Major League debut for the Tampa Bay Rays. Ben Wagner has the call. He will join us later on in the show as uh, we power our way through Kevin Barker to the Mm. start of this series against the Rays. A reminder... That Wednesday's game, the final game of the series, is a 3 o'clock start. We will be on before the game with a pregame show for you. And we will be on after the game with a postgame show for you. So, as soon as the Jays and Rays game ends, it starts at 310. Barker and myself will be back. We'll take your calls. We'll take your texts. Mm -hmm. It's, of course, going to be walk-off Wednesday and that is after Michael Waka of the Rays takes on, well, takes on either 
Ross Stripling or some combination of an opener plus Ross Stripling. Bark, I'd love, I'd love, I don't know how you feel, but I'd love to see them use Nate Pearson as the opener. I'd, I'd also like uh, Julian Merriweather too, please. I, I might, Nate Pearson, sort of kind of like him in that sixth, seventh inning maybe. Yeah. To, to turn right. it over to the, to the different arm angles from Simber. But you want to see one of those two. You Trevor want to see Richard. one of those two power I, maybe, guys, right? Maybe, yeah. That, that might be a little nice mix to so Ross can come in and flip that breaking ball and change speeds and elevate the heater at ninety one, ninety two. I give him a different look, but I know Petey and, and they're going to Charlie align it with exactly the way to put their team in the right position to win games, like they always do. The uh, Jays, as we mentioned, will open a three-game series against the Rays. The Jays' schedule, they have the Rays, then they go to Minnesota, then they're home to the Yankees, and they finish up with the Baltimore Orioles. And, uh, boy, the Yankees, um, that you know, the, the body language of Garrett Cole yesterday, that, that great shot of him looking at the score in the what, Blue Jays game. Was he game, looking at that? Yeah, that's what people like to think. But the body language wasn't that great. He was booed when he left. The Yankees, Kevin Barkin, they got three against Texas. Then they got an off day. Then they got three at Boston, an off day, three in Toronto, and they finish up against the Tampa Bay Rays. You know as well as I do that Kevin Cash and the Rays don't like the Yankees, and if they're in a if they're in a position to stick a fork in yeah. the Yankees, they would love they would love to mm-hmm. they would love to be able to do that. Let's bring in Chris Singleton of uh, ESPN. Chris, thank you so much for joining uh, Kevin and myself. As always, we appreciate your time. Look, I, there's so many things you want to get your thoughts on, including, including Vladdy Jr., obviously. But I, I, looking at this race right now, the wild card race, and I'm leaving aside Oakland and Seattle for a minute, although I'm never going to write the A's off when it comes to anything like this. But the Red Sox are leading the wild card. The Jays are in second. The Yankees are a game and a half back. The Yankees have a real bear of a schedule here. What to you will be the determining factor in this, what we'll say for now is the three-team wild card race? Wow. It's, uh, it's, it's really hard to say because there's just been such a, uh, a mix, you know, of, uh, success and struggles that the teams have had. I guess you could say the Boston Red Sox having gotten um, kind of healthy through the whole, you know, COVID run that uh, ran through their team, you know, you, that gives you some, you know, optimism, if you will, that, you know, they can be consistent to the finish line and, and maintain, you know, one of those two spots. Uh, but after that, you know, obviously the Blue Jays, you'll know, have the second spot. They're tied in losses, um, kind of look at that loss column a little bit more, um, you know, Red Sox have played two more games. So, you know, you look at that opportunity, if you will. But, yeah, I mean, I'll say this. Listen, I've done a few uh, Blue Jays games this year. I obviously don't follow them as closely as you guys. But, man, I, they are probably my favorite team to watch play and do games because just how exciting they are. I don't have to tell you guys that or the listeners, but – they have something really special there. And you're, when you're looking from sort of afar and you're saying, man, this will be cool if they can really bottle this, you know, get the, get the right pitching that they need, get those arms um, kind of in place, you know, starting rotation bullpen, just kind of those, um, those complementary parts that they're going to need to really be a team that you look up for the next, you know, four years and, they're they're in the division. They're hunting for the division, but they're going to be a postseason team um, every year. That's that's how cool it is. But um, I am, you know, 
definitely wanting to see them um, in the postseason because, you know, you're talking about, you mentioned Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, he's, he's arguably the most exciting player to watch. And um, I mean, I know that race, the MVP race, you're talking Otani and, and, and Vladdy, but he's such a, such an impressive player to watch. But with that said, getting back to the, the whole race, the Yankees, they've been the streakiest team. I'd say, I mean, find me a streaker team than, than the Yankees from, win streaks to losing streaks. And that's the thing that I think would concern me if I was one of the other teams um, in this hunt is that they can get red hot and, and just reel off wins and, you know, punch their ticket into the postseason. So you have to like, keep your foot on the gas if you're in front of them and don't think, all right, things are kind of falling apart. They're disjointed. They don't, they can't figure it out because for whatever reasons, it's been that way all season long. Um, So they could get hot. I agree with you. Oakland's one of those teams that, you know, things can start clicking there at the Coliseum and all of a sudden, you know, they're feeling the vibe and they're, they're, you know, in a good spot, but I think it's going to be, I just think it's going to be hard for them. Um, Schedule wise, I think for all three of those teams, um, or you can even say Boston as well, that's what's going to be critical. Um, Who do who you have left on the schedule? And, um, you know, you look at the, the Yankees this year, the Orioles, the team that you're supposed to like really, really bank wins they didn't, they didn't do that. They didn't, they weren't successful in that way. And so um, what do we have left? I think that's, that's the biggest factor, you know, strength of schedule is to me is, is the key here. Okay. Saying uh, the, the, uh, the Jays obviously are playing the race here the next three games and, and Kevin cash, you know, sort in the world series last year, limped in with his bullpen and you're starting to look at the, you know, the Astros are only about, I think four games behind the race for that home field advantage throughout the playoffs. How, who, who would that be more important to, the Astros or the Rays to have home field advantage? Um, I would probably say the Astros. Um, and the reason why is that, you know, Kevin Cash and the way that he does things and manages that roster, it, it's, I mean, we saw what they did. What was it? Uh, 2019. I think they went, they went to Oakland, played that, that one game wild card playoff. And, you know, everybody was like, Hey, this is Oakland's year. They're going to do it. They're going to go deep. Mm-hmm. And the Rays came in and just stunned them. Right. So I don't, I don't feel like the Rays really, you know, that, that it's a big deal to them, what, whether they're at home or on the road. I mean, everybody likes the comforts of home. Right. But I think they present some challenges with, with what they do with their roster and platoon splits and everything else. Um, that, you know, that in and of itself creates a challenge on the other side of, of how do you, you know, match up with this team and how do you, you make your move? So I would say that, you know, for, from that perspective, home field advantage would be a lot more critical for the Houston Astros. Okay. You, you mentioned Vladdy. Let's, let's get back to him because that is a huge topic of conversation here around Toronto and around the American league is because of him and Shohei Otani, what they're doing. And I just want to get that, you know, your opinion from a, a former player, well, what what do you think would be will be the deciding factor in this? Is it the September's? Is it you know the maybe Vladdy hits fifty? Maybe the Blue Jays host a wild card game. What what do you think could put Vladdy ahead of Otani, if anything? Yeah, I would say Otani would have to like just tank from here to the to the finish line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it would just have to go it'd have to go bad. Like he'd have to have, you know, couple, couple, three poor outings, um, you know, kind of hit a little slump and everything else, because, you know, when we look at what he's doing this year, and this is what's uh, it's unfortunate because 
you know, the season that Vladdy's having right now, right? He's, he's a young kid, and you think there's way, there's so much upside, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Kevin, you know in this game, I mean, this game can humble you. And, and whether it's from having a great season or having a, uh, you know, as an individual or as a team, or like, oh, man, we got to the postseason. We're going to be better next year. We're going to go deeper into the postseason. And then you could have a guy that, that plays, you know, 12, 14 years and never gets back to the playoffs again or gets deep into the postseason. So with Vladdy, you're looking at this year and you're thinking automatically he's only going to be better next year or in a couple of years, but things don't always click and come together. So the way that the numbers are, are being put up, this might be the best year he has in his career, right? I mean, you don't want to think that because he's so young, but when you just consider staying healthy and things, you know, coming into to place the way that they do, that's not a guarantee every year. So with that said, I think it's a, it's, it's potentially disappointing that, you know, as a position player, he's, you know, been lights out and there's a, you know, a chance, a good chance that he's not going to win it. And that's because Otani, when you're looking at most valuable player, when a guy's doing what he's doing on the mound and he's doing it, the plate, if you want to say most valuable player, um, you have to, in my opinion, you have to lean that way and we'll see what the writers, how they, they look at it. But I think this is almost one of those once in a lifetime opportunities as well for these writers, even with Otani, as I talked about Vladdy, Otani next year, man, we don't know if he's going to be able to, you know, physically and everything else do again next year, what he's done this year. I mean, that's, it's not easy and it takes a toll. So um, again, it's kind of a perfect storm for him as well. Um, I'd like to see more of it, but you know, there, there's no guarantee there. So I think with that said, the writers will want to capture this sort of, you know, um, throwback type of season where you, you know, and you were talking way back, you know, for a guy that pitched and hit. Um, so that's where I see it. Singy, really good of you to join us, man. Thanks so much as always. Yeah. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Go Jays. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Take right. care, Chris. Chris Singleton. Of, uh, yes, man. His buddy's just down the hall. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, I played against him a ton when I was in the minor leagues, but to, to his point about struggling and yes. not struggling. Otani offensively. In September, mm-hmm. 212, two homers, four RBIs. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., 380, seven homers, nine RBIs. If you're a writer and you're just looking at that and you're looking at where one team's at, who's being seen the most, who's performing at the highest level, who are you going with? Now, again, it's a big body of work and it's a unicorn and all of those things come into play, but you're saying it's getting closer. The way we started the show, I think it's getting. I'm just saying it. It. Could, I, I could mean, be the, the deciding th- factor of of that hosting Look. a wild card game and that 50 homer. I don't know why I keep thinking that, but could that persuade most writers to give it to Vladdy? I mean, I I I texted three guys I know have have MVP votes in the American League. I told them I'm not gonna, not saying who they are, but I, I told them I'm just gonna check in with you guys. Um, two of them are voting Otani come hell or high water. As of now, another is another is wondering what would happen if he would be the only person to not vote for Otani. So they're really thinking that. That's a big deal to them. It, it, how could you go wrong? Is my question. How, how would you? Yeah. How would you yell and scream at a writer I, I for just, voting? I, I, think, I, I, I think. I think. I think Chris hit the nail on the head here. Let's. I, mean, I hate to say it, but you know there are two weeks left in the season. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Like, I understand, you know, I'm looking at Otani's numbers. Otani's got 44 homers. Like, it's, it's, but man, I, if he ends up hitting like, I don't know, 
245 or something like that. I mean, I know batting average is batting average, but. How many MVPs of it, 250? It's not just that. I go, you know, you're, you're rewarding a guy for being an oddity. You're not the best. I don't think there's any general man. Yeah, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to say that because I, because, because I just don't know. Uh, I misspoke a little earlier, by the way, when I talked about the Mets. The Mets are, the, the Mets have got, I've got a better chance of getting the National League wild card than the Mets, but, but, but they are uh, five and a half out uh, in the, uh, in the American, in the National League East. So there you go. They're not, uh, I mean, they're, they are the fringiest of fringe postseason teams at this point in time. Dante Bichette joins us at six o'clock. Ben Wagner around 630 or so. Your texts are next. 590-590 is the text line. Also want to talk a little bit about Trevor Richards here. I want to give some props to Trevor Richards in that bullpen. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We had a meeting of the minds before the start of the show. Well, actually, it was Barker and Dan Schulman, Joe Siddle, and Ben Wagner. I just kind of sat there and listened. But uh, we, we started the game, kind of started the parlor game of looking ahead to what the lineup might look like if you go into the if you go into the playoffs. Um, you know, and there's a lot of talk about, for example, Jake Lamb isn't eligible to go on the postseason roster. You know, Gregory Polanco. We were just kind of throwing stuff around. You take three catchers, what do you do in the wild card who, game? Yeah, who yeah. would be your 25th, who would be and, your 26th, 25th and 26th guy? It. That was mainly uh, what we were yeah. what we were talking about. But you know, we started talking about the bullpen and, okay, well, how many relief pitchers do you want to take? And, and you know, Kevin, I, I, I want to talk about this because the rotation's been brilliant. Vladdy, I mean, the lineup's been terrific. I want to mention three relievers, though, because we spent a large part of this season absolutely shredding the bullpen and, frankly, the job that Ross Atkins did at the start of the year with the bullpen. I mean, a lot of their moves at the start of the year didn't work out. No. In June, in June, the Blue Jays made a couple of bold moves. Um, Trevor Richards was acquired. Adam Simber was acquired. I think Simber was in July, maybe. These are their numbers. I thought about this yesterday watching Trevor Richards. We all know he's made some adjustments, moved to the other side of the pitching, rubber, et cetera, et cetera. Kevin Barker, Trevor Richards, 27 games with Toronto. He's got a 0.71 whip. He's 4-2. and two. He's got a 286 ERA. Uh, sorry, he joined the team in July, July 7th. Adam Simber. He's got a 1.45 ERA, a 0.97 whip. Opponents are hitting 226 off him in his 32 games as a Blue Jay. So let's, let's talk about those two guys before we get in a little more to Jordan Romano and, and, and Tim Mesa. Now, I just said before the break, hey, man, if they didn't have Jose Barrios, they'd be sunk. Hmm. Where would they be without those two guys? Like, it, the, the thing the thing that having the rotation 
fall into place, Kevin, has the trickle-down effect is it's, it's basically allowed Charlie Montoyo to – he's got four guys he trusts implicitly in this bullpen right yeah. now. Romano, Meza, Simba, Richards. Yeah. It's allowed him to basically eliminate all the other guys for the most part. I think the fact that the Jays rebuilt their bullpen in season, pretty remarkable. Yeah, well, you you could just go very individual. Obviously, we know what Romano's done. He started throwing more fastballs. He's he's you know comes to the realization that hitting ninety nine to one hundred and one is not the easiest thing to do. Don't be afraid to throw it and throw it a lot. And can I just want to add this? The other thing, his 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 OPS with runners in scoring Who's position, his? Romano. Yeah, his OPS with runners in scoring position is two fifty seven. That's the best in the majors among right-handed pitchers, sorry, starters or relievers, qualified relief pitchers in Major yeah, League Baseball. Yeah, you know, fastball at high velocity is hard to hit. If you if you somewhat locate it, it's even that much harder to hit. So, you know, he's taking his game to the next level, even the mechanical adjustment by not squatting as much, giving him more energy. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big deal. You got more energy, you're going to throw it harder. When you throw it harder, people can't hit it. So you give him credit on that. You know, the, the Tim Mason thing, he's gotten over the Tommy John thing. You know, it's it's – you, he went through a little bit of those peak and valleys because of what if it's sore? Can I really get out there? Can I trust it? I'm not going to hurt it again. He's over that. Now you're seeing the sinker and slider. He's got one of the best sliders in baseball. Can say you could say at least in the American League. You know, it's it's he can throw it to lefties and righties. You know, he's basically eliminated lefties. So mm-hmm. just being able to throw that to to a to a right-handed hitter to a really good right-handed hitter allows. Charlie and Petey to not have to match up, to not say, you know, we can't throw Tim Mesa to the meat of the order. We have to figure out ways to get him to the back end of the order. Uh-uh. Now it's it's that much easier. When it's his time to throw and he's up in the eighth inning, he's throwing no matter where they're at in the order. So that's a huge deal. The the Adam Simber thing for me is the sort of the same thing with Tim Mesa. Is when you don't overuse him and you can throw him anytime he can get lefties and righties out because he has deception of where he throws it from and throwing strikes is a big deal. When he do it with two different pitches, the sinker and the slider, and he occasionally sprinkling the changeup, he's really good. And I and the, the Richards changeup for me, the movement and the location on that thing to lefties and righties, even more to righties. If I when I was trying to hit and I had a guy on the mound who could who had confidence in multiple pitches that he thought he could throw at any time for strikes, that's any count. That he thought he could throw multiple pitches. Right now, that's me for Richards. You see righties go up, they're guessing. And when they guess right on the changeup, they still can't hit it. That'll tell you how good it is. Arm speed, movement, and location. When he's got all three of those with that pitch, you can throw him at any time. And I'm with you. you with the rotation that they have and those four guys, that allows them to figure out who Nate Pearson is mm-hmm. and who Julian Merriweather is. And where and, Ryan and, Brucky is in And his, there you go. His- you don't want to be messing around, but when you got four guys you can rely on and you got the rotation that they got now, and that offense is, is doing what they're doing, it allows you to, you know, occasionally give guys innings that you normally wouldn't give innings to. Yeah, it's, uh, in a boy, as, as uh, Danny, as, as Shulman mentioned before the show and we were talking, you, you look at the, the bullpen coming out of spring training, you look at the fact that they haven't gotten much out of Pearson this year, they haven't gotten much out of Baraki this year. They haven't gotten anything out of Hatch this year. They haven't gotten anything for the most part out of Anthony Kay this year. If we, if we told you all those things in spring training, like we thought one or two yeah. of those guys was going to have to be a contributor this year for this team to contend. I don't know about you, and I don't know about the people listening, but for me it started with Jordan Romano. It's always that ninth inning. That ninth inning's a different animal. It ain't the eighth inning. And to have a guy that's accepted the ninth inning, yep. has a routine for the ninth inning, and knows his stuff is unhittable, 
then you go from there. That that puts him at a different level. Jordan Romano has literally grown into the role of a closer right before our eyes in the middle of the season. They found their future closer. I think it's safe to say. I think it's safe to say. Dante Bichette is Bo's daddy. He's also senior advisor, the Toronto Blue Jays. Jays are getting set to start a three-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays. They're in the wild card. Game and a half ahead of the Yankees. Dante Bichette joins us next. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Be the first pitch tonight at the drop. How many fans do you think are coming? I don't know. Five thousand? I don't. I don't Fewer I think than they, five thousand. They've been getting more fans. They have. Properly. I think so. Saw four some changes about all I saw. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, the Jays are starting a three-game series against the Rays at the drop tonight. Robbie Ray continuing his pursuit of the American League Cy Young Award. Shane Boz making his major league debut. For the Rays, he is their top pitching prospect. He's one of the top pitching prospects in Major League Baseball, so the Jays will get a chance to see something new. Uh, Your Blue Jays lineup for tonight's game, George Springer is leading off, Marcus Semien's at second, Vladdy's at first, Bo is at shortstop, Teoscar is in right field, Alejandro Kirk's behind the plate, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is in left, Randall Gritchick's in center. Jake Lamb is at third base, as we mentioned. Robbie Ray is on the mound for the Blue Jays, and we're very pleased to be joined now by the Jays' senior advisor. I'm going to call him Jays' advisor uh, in Tampa with the organization, Dante Bichette, joining us on Baseball Central. Dante, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. We we trust that you're keeping well. Um, hey, I just want, there, there's so much we want to talk to you about, but but I, I want to ask you this: going back to the game against Oakland where Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hit the Grand Slam. Grand Slam. Like Bo told us after that game that at that point, it almost felt as if the team was done. I mean, they literally have not stopped hitting since that game. I think they're 15-3 and three in September. Was that home run really, like, did it have that much of a galvanizing effect on this team? And, and you know, does that really happen in baseball where one play like that, one big blow can just almost set off an explosion for an entire team? Uh, you know, I believe it can. I mean, if you watch, you know, I'm a big Rocky fan, man. If you watch some of those big blows, the Rocky landed, I mean, you can see the fight turn. Right. And, and I think that's, that's what it does. It kind of gets a monkey off people's back. Hey, somebody else is going to do this. I don't have to do this all myself. And that's how you start feeling when you get, in those, you know, you're not scoring runs. You feel like, I got to do this all myself. Somebody else does it, and, and Guriel was the big blow. So, yeah, I think, it, I think it can have that kind of effect. Dante, from, from afar, you know, you're, you're around the team more than we are, and, and you talk to the players more than we do. But how impressive has it been to see them make adjustments this late in the season and it translate between the lines the way it has? It's been unbelievable. It's been unbelievable to see, you know, if you remember this team two years ago in 2019, all the strikeouts and, and how they have 
they have, you know, been able to go and, and, and have two strike approaches. And now they're seeing pitchers, you know, some of these young players seeing pitchers for the third and fourth time. And they're, and they're better. Like remember Yarbrough the other night. I mean, we didn't have touched him in year in the last two years and, and they're finally making adjustments and figuring out how to beat guys in the league. And they're, they're young. They're only going to get better. It's just been awesome to see so many of them at the same time, figure it out. Okay, how about like Shane Boss tonight? They're facing him for the first time. What would be an approach, like a piece of advice you would give, you know, a younger team this time of the year trying to get where they're trying to get, facing a guy they've never faced before? Boy, it's tough. you got to do as much uh, work as you can on video and scouting reports. I, I would compare this, this game a little bit to the Yankees when we faced, I think it was Gill was his name, Big Arm, yep. you know, uh, so I, and I think this guy has had control issues in the past, but this year this guy's been pretty locked in on the strike zone. So, I mean, learn as much as you can for your first at-bat and watch every hitter because it, the, the more information we can get off him, uh, the better. Um, we know he's got a good fastball, so we know we got to get on top. we got to flatten the bat path out a little bit. Uh, you know, we'll know more about the breaking ball as the game goes on and, and, and how he's going to handle his first big league start. But you just got to gather in information as quickly as you can. You know, you were on the station a little earlier on, on one of our other shows a couple of weeks ago. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think it was in August when the team was scuffling. And you made a comment that really stuck with me. And that was that, you know, you said you thought that <laughs> Some of the young guys, you thought guys were kind of getting tired mentally, not physically, but tired mentally. And look, I, you know, Barker's played a full baseball season. I've covered a full season. I haven't played it, but, you know, August, August can wear you down over 160. I don't have to tell you that. You, there's a point in August where you can just kind of feel as if it's almost like Groundhog Day. Um, what, what, what happened to to maybe give these guys their second win mentally, eh, if I can call it that. Well, and I'm not sure what you're asking, um, but August is an interesting month. It's a hump month. And the reason it's a hump month is, you're, you you know, you played a lot of games. You're after the All-Star break. You know, a lot of the hoopla, the season's over. And you're probably a little tired, but it is definitely more mental tired because – all of a sudden, September kicks in. And the beauty of, of September is if you're in the pennant race. If you're in the pennant race in September, all of a sudden, you know, playing on fumes is a lot easier. And all of a sudden, you're playing for something. But August, you really don't feel like you're – it's just too early to think of playing, you know, the pennant race type of baseball. So, to me, you know, for the young guys, they've got to learn how – maybe next year they got to learn how to get through August a little bit better and they'll be prepared going in. Hey, remember, remember what happened last year? You know, so to me, they'll be better at it next year. It's such a young team again that they, you know, August is, is definitely a hump for all of us. Is there one part of Bo's game that stands out to you that he's advanced more in this year than in past years? Well, yeah, you know, the one thing that I love that Bo's done, and I and and, and Dan O'Dowd hit on this uh, the other night on MLB, he, uh, is is the durability numbers? If you look at Bo, if you look at run, just pure run production, runs scored plus RBIs minus home runs, you got you got to minus the home runs because they count as both. Uh, Bo leads all of baseball in run production, and that's you know that's on a team with some guys who are producing. I think Vladdy's second. So those are durability numbers, you know. Uh, and we've got some real durable guys. Simeon every day, 
Laddie every day, Bo every day. It's really neat to, to that, that he, at such a young age, that Bo and Vladdy and these guys have been able to grind it every day, even though it was a rough August. They didn't pull out, man. They stayed in there. So to me, that is the coolest, probably the most proud thing I am as a dad, you know, uh, looking at him and, and probably the neatest thing for this team to look at because if we got grinders going forward, boy, that's going to be relentless. 162, you're going to have to really deal with the Blue Jays. I'll tell you another thing that's impressed us, uh, and it's something, again, we had you on this show earlier this year, and you you said keep an eye on this. I mean, Dante, Bull looks like he wants the ball hit to him right now. Yeah, it, I, I don't, he, he is a very, he's a very confident, he's a confident player, but his defense looks like it's just, it, it's just improved from the start of the year. I don't know, maybe we're seeing it differently. Maybe you look at it a little differently, but it, it sure seems as if there's, there's just a lot more, there's a lot more there now than there was earlier this year. Yeah, and I think, yeah, he's, he's you know, and there's still going to be some hiccups, but I think confidence, his heartbeat has slowed down. What you really, I think, see is him going to his right, the backhand play. He's making that with, with confidence now rather than shaky, you know. So, I mean, he, you know, and, and all of a sudden, guess what? His defense has showed up, and he's really starting to take off offen- offensively. So that goes hand-in-hand hand sometimes, too. Uh, I think Marcus Simeon said, boy, it's so much better it's so much easier to be an offensive player as a second baseman and, and shortstop is, is, is the only position that's similar to a hitter where you got to get your timing and your rhythm right every day, or you're going to screw something up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, other positions, you don't have, you don't really have to worry about time as much. You know, you got time to catch a fly ball and get it in second baseman can bobble a ball and throw it over. So he's been able to do that. And it's good to see, I think his heartbeat slowed down, his confidence has jumped up and, and hopefully he can keep going. Yeah, uh, speaking of timing and rhythm, there's a guy that plays right field for the Blue Jays that, you know, we don't, I think, talk about enough in Teoscar Hernandez. Just the adjustments he's made at the plate and the the baseball IQ for me is, you know, called up to all the talent that he has. Are are you seeing an approach at the plate that he can carry over for years to come and only get better? You know what? I have finally given in to the fact that this kid has really become a good hitter. I would have told you when looking at his numbers before that last year might have been a little bit of a you know short season thing, but now I'm seeing it for a full season. And you know he's not a real talkative guy, so you know we're not going to talk hitting a lot with him. So you have to kind of take your time to see with him if he's really getting it. But the the, the fact that he's cut down strikeouts and uses the opposite field right now. Mm-hmm is that's great hitter stuff, man. That's what 300 hitter, hitters do, and he's doing it with big-time power. So, the, to me, if you can put the ball in play and you got big-time power, you're going to do some damage in this game, and he's figured out how to do it. Dante, really good of you to join us. I know you got some work to do. We appreciate your time, as always, and uh, stay safe. Be well, my friend. Thanks for this. Yeah, it's great stuff. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Dante Bichette. Blue Jays advisor. Just some, just some people that I could sit down and talk baseball and, and hitting with forever. He's one of them. Like, no, it, reminds it, me. It, he reminds me. He's a little. He and JD are a little it, cut you, from the same cloth. You, know, you can understand why players want to walk up to him, and have a conversation. You, you could just hear in the tone of his voice. You got to be a good salesman. 
Yeah, it's, it's one thing to have been there and done it before like he has and hit all the home runs and, you know, be a part of the at Rockies lineup and, and do the things, you know, that two-strike approach. It ain't no secret that Bo does it and now everybody sort of else does it on the team because, you know, that's a little trickle-down effect from his dad. Now Bo's doing it and, you know, you see Teoscar doing it, oh, oh, and you see Lord Escuriel Jr. doing it now with no toe tap. Can I say something? Contagious. Can I, can I say something really stupid? I mean, I'm going to do it anyhow, even if you don't give me permission. Mm. Am I stupid to want to have Bo hitting cleanup next year? No, there's going to be no. Let's let's assume you no you, you may Simeon. not have Simeon. I mean, it'd be re- it'd be real tough to to. No, maybe you have Bo Springer, with- Jose Ramirez, Vladdy, Bo. Tell I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I like I like I I like Bo cleaning up. If, well, if you don't if you don't have a legitimate number two hitter. I kind of like him there. He, he okay. just seems to be, you know, found his mojo in that spot. Now, you know, he's, start, he's starting to to sort of fill in the spot in the cleanup spot. He's a true cleanup hitter. Probably not. He's, not gonna, he's probably not going to hit a, enough home runs. He's going to hit a more than 30 home runs. I mean. I, I guess. Yeah, but it's, it, you know, gets put, put, push comes to shove. Is he going to get more pitches for Vladdy to hit? Hitting in the two spot or in the three spot? No, that, that's, because I, I would think him getting great. on base would That's get great. Vladdy more more pitches to hit than him hitting behind Vladdy. That's I guess just me. ultimately, I guess ultimately it depends if they don't re-sign Marcus. Who do they have to put in there? Uh, right? Because you're not going to put Teoscar. You're not going to put Teoscar in there. You're not going to put George Springer when he's healthy. He's going to be the leadoff hitter. Your DH, whoever it is, isn't going to be there. Your catcher isn't going to be there. The only, right. uh, again, that, that rem- whoever, if you... If you don't get Semyon, I will say this. If you don't re-sign Marcus Semyon, you will have another established major league infielder on this team. And maybe that guy hits Look, look you, look, you you think Blue Jays fans are going to throw their hands in the air if they got Springer, Bichette, Vladdy, Teoscar hitting one through four? Absolutely not. No. Like, just, he, he said it right. When, when Teoscar has cut down on the strikeouts because he's eliminated the leg kick, his head's not moving as much, his barrel gets in the hitting zone quicker and stays in it longer, and he thinks right center all the time now. You wouldn't want him hitting cleanup? It, it's how do you protect Vladdy? Is the protection in front of him or behind him? Well, what if you do both? Yeah, it's <laughs> it is an interesting... Because Teoscar's going to drive in 100 and hit 32. Yeah. And he's going to hit 300. So maybe you just move Teoscar into the I mean, I, if, there's, if, spot. if Marcus Simeon doesn't come back, because if he comes back, you, you don't want to rock the boat just pretty good the way it's going now. But if he doesn't come back and you don't get that guy that plays third for Cleveland and he's not hitting second, how can you go wrong? One through four with the four guys I just mentioned. You can't. You just can't. Dante talked a little bit about the approach you need when you uh, when you um, come up against a guy like Shane Vaz. Haven't seen him before. He's a prospect. I'm sure there's video of him because, I mean, there's video of everybody. He's their top prospect. Yeah, there's video, video of video. everybody. Somebody, video him. Yeah, some, and somebody in the Jays organization has probably seen him. Somebody's probably seen him with their own eyes. But put yourself, put yourself in that Jays clubhouse. What are they... What are they going to talk about before that first at bat? Well, the, the, everything, every, the the one person that I talked to and what I've read about him, Boz, he has the best slider in the organization, and he throws a bazillion miles an hour. 
The first thing I just mentioned, most humans on planet Earth aren't going to make a living off hitting that pitch. The You're spinner. Not, you ain't going to do it because of how hard he throws. Right. You got to get in an athletic position as soon as you can. You got to swing at a strike. And your strike until you get to two strikes. And and Dante said it exactly right. You got to do that as quick as you can. Like the 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 George Springer going up and swinging at the first pitch, that's middle in. I'm not sure that's the right approach. I'm just not sure that's it. Like the, this might be the one day where it's okay for him to make yeah. a, a sick pitch out. You like that's the, okay. You like the way Vladdy's kind of adopted this. I'm not swinging at the first pitch until I see a guy. Yeah, I think I think a little bit of that it depends on who he's facing. Now, again, he has a little trouble against lefties in off the plate and away off the plate. How do they want to get him out? In off the plate, away off the plate. So for you to be taking that first pitch, and it's Vladdy. Like, Vladdy's okay to hit behind in the count. He's inside out in balls. You can see the way he's using his top hand more. You can actually see that where when he takes a – his check swing is bad, and he thinks about – you can see that little dry swing that he takes where he's using he'll, – he'll do it with his bottom hand, and then he starts doing it with his top hand. He wants his top hand to follow his bottom hand. Most human beings, their bottom hand is their steering wheel, and their top hand will follow. Vladdy's not that way. He wants to use both of them. Because of play coverage and what he's trying to do to baseball, so he can do it better than anybody else. So it's, you know, I, I, I just don't want Vladdy to get himself out. If Vladdy doesn't do that, he annihilates baseballs. He eats fastballs for breakfast. And he's growing up. Like, it's, we're seeing that. Can he get better? Jeremy from Norwich. Uh, Norwich. 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 595.90 is the text line. Hearing Dante say Marcus said hitting is easier at second base than short makes me more optimistic he signs in Toronto. Did you hear what, obviously Dante talking about second base is more of a position of timing. Like there, there, there's, there's, there's more in terms of timing and rhythm you have to work on at shortstop mm-hmm. than, you do, than you do at second base, which I, I haven't had anybody put it to me that way. I know Lu- Luis Rivera has talked about there is Ball comes at you awfully fast at third base. Sometimes the, your your timing is self-preservation yeah, at third yeah. base. First base, it's different. But shortstop, quite often the ball is either just going over your head or it's going to take a couple of hops. Or it, The variety of stuff you're going to see as a shortstop is different. Than, than second base. Than second base. Yeah, and the shift, too, is a is a prominent Thank thing. You. You're, you're yes. playing all over the place. you got to have a stronger, more accurate arm. And, as Dan, and as, as Dan O'Dowd told us, we had an interview with Dan O'Dowd. Remember, he was talking about how he thinks he doesn't understand why teams play their shortstops so deep now. He said, we just we developed this, this generation now where our shortstops are playing deeper than they have in the past. I don't know, maybe. It, yeah, I think sometimes there. the shift makes players lazy. Because nine times out of ten, the smart people know exactly where to put a guy. You know, discount, they're going to hit it here. That bat path, you throw it here. It breaks this way. Ball normally is going to go to that spot. Go stand right there. You don't have to move up and back, side to side. You get a little lazy with your feet, right? So, you know, that, I think a little bit of that has to come into play. Now, Marcus Simeon is going to go to the highest bidder. Let's not lie about that. Oh, yeah. If, yes. the, if the Yankees come and give him five years and the Blue Jays would give him four, he'd be a Yankee. I don't think he's going to take no discount. So that that's me. You know, offensively for me, Marcus Simeon's made a little slight adjustment with his hands. He's lowered his hands to create a little loft in his swing, and he's become a pull hitter. I ain't, I, I'm not a guy that can drive a ball out to right center field. Why would I even try? I'm going to get in my athletic position because it's repeatable. It's quiet. My hands are quick enough that if I can get 
a bat path, not a down and through one like I used to because my hands were above my head. Now they're a little below my chin or even with my chin to where I can set the plane. I can keep it in the plane. That where when I make contact because I'm a pull hitter, it's got that loft. Mm -hmm. Guess where the balls go? They go out of the ballpark. So that for me is that. And he's just, you know, it's, I think he's around youth. There's a little bit of that. I want to be better than you. And he sees Vladdy. He sees Bo. He sees George. He sees Teoscar doing their thing. He wants to do those things too. And he, he said something funny too about the, the, the jacket that they wear. And I said this to you too. Young guys coming up, they want to wear the jacket. That's all, a cool all, thing. All, yeah. all guys are no different. He, cool he said that about Teoscar. It felt yeah. like we haven't had a, we haven't hit a home run, which has been only a couple of days, but it yeah. feel like forever. We want to wear that thing too. Yeah. Funny. Uh, Stephen King City. I, I'm mentioning this because a lot of a lot of folks were kind of dreaming or were talking about this in social media this weekend about a reunion with Josh Donaldson. I'm sure the Twins want to get out from under that contract. Of course, J.D. would be at third base. J.D.'s not playing for the Blue Jays, not for this front office, period. That's just the way it is. There were too many bridges burnt uh, on both sides. Well, I think it was more player than team, to be honest. I mean, look, there's no... We know that J.D. had an issue with the high-performance department here. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not going to happen. But I do want to say this. Um, you know... Uh, kudos to the fans for the reaction this weekend to Josh awesome. Donaldson. I know there are some people saying, okay, come on, standing ovation once, that's enough. Now, people, people need to realize, uh, people, need, people need to give. There's a generation of baseball fans that didn't see a freaking playoff game in Toronto until Josh Donaldson came along. So I have no problem with the fans doing what they did for Josh. And God bless Josh for the way he handled this. Yeah. You know, that that whole exchanging signed uniforms with Vladdy. It's awesome. I, I think this whole weekend, it was interesting watching Josh come back. It was interesting watching Jose Barrios pitch against his own team. Mm -hmm. I love the way at the end of the game, you know, he acknowledged the Twins dugout. Rocco Baldelli was a, yeah. was applauding. I love the way he pointed the umpire, doffed his cap and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just kind of realize that these are human beings who have human relationships. And that's well said. I I just thought it was cool to see, man. I, I really did. Josh isn't coming back here, but I love the fact that because we we don't see it sometimes in this city. I've always said it seems as if players always leave Toronto. Good players leave Toronto under a cloud. It's never happy. It's not a happy partying. Roy Halliday's parting wasn't happy. Carlos Delgado's parting, and this was the team, you know, not extending him a contract. It wasn't happy. Eddie, Jose, I mean, you can go on and on and on. But I like the fact that JD left, and there were a lot of strains mm -hmm. on both sides. I kind of like the fact that those strains are being repaired a little bit. And, you know, Josh did mention that he, Josh is going to be spending a lot of time in Toronto this yeah. winter. Um, well, maybe no, we'll it made it a little easier too when Josh left. He got paid. That that made it a little easier too. That makes you know. Tell you what, I got I, I mean, I, Josh right now. People can say in social media, man, I'll get Josh on in the winter. He's in Toronto. He's got nothing to do. Come on down. Talk kidding. Talk kidding. Kidding me. Uh, it Hit probably the tape recorder. Yeah. Nobody yeah, uses it, it, tape recorder. It was awesome. It was it was a tremendous thing to watch. I yeah. think. I, I thought it was, and that whole scene with him and and Vlad exchanging signed jerseys was uh was was was, was really really cool. I just thought I just thought it was. I'm going to mention. It. I just thought it was really well done. I kind of like I like those situations where guys face their former teammates or guys come back to a city and 
stuff may have been strained. I, I yeah. just kind of like the way things get. I think most stars in settled. sports get it. I think you're right, yeah. And J.D. and Vladdy get it. Yes, I think that's well said. 590-590 is the text line. 710 tonight is the first pitch. Jays and Rays, Ben Wagner will have the call on the radio station. He joins us next. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's not like you. It's not like you got like four hours of radio yeah. by yourself coming yeah, up you know, or anything like you know that. Those, you know those Rays Jays games are quick too. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, those are quick ones. Yeah, yeah not much happens. <laughs> not much happens when the Rays take on the Jays. Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Jays, he'll have the call at seven ten tonight. As uh, Shane Boz takes on. Yeah. I I so want to say Shane Baz. Well, that'd be wrong. It'd be wrong. Don't but say it's it. just like it would but sound. If you look better. at it. It looks like Baz. Doesn't Baz sound better? No. Oh, yeah. It's like Shane Baz. It's a bad name. Well, Shane Baz. I mean, you can do a lot with Baz because if you look at the numbers and the stuff for this kid, yeah, you could, he's a, throws a bazillion <laughs> miles an hour. Bazillion. He's a baz He's a Baz-man. Mm. <laughs> Anyhow, um, talk a little bit about Hyunjin Ryu. He has gone on the IL with a neck strain, which Ross Atkins says is not related to the forearm strain that he or the forearm tightness he talked about. Apparently, it developed after his start Friday. It wasn't again. This is what Ross Atkins told us. It wasn't related to his pitching. Mm. You know, maybe a bad pillow or something like sure. that. He shows up at the clubhouse Saturday. And five he's got star this, hotels. They got some terrible pillows. That, <laughs> see that? Now, as I'm some. Like, Ch- I mean, no, we listen, were in the minor leagues, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And... <laughs> Jump in here, though, <laughs> yeah. Ben, because you spend a lot of time. Hotel pillows. They're, they're tough. They can yeah, be yeah. a freaking oh. landmark. Yeah, yeah. That's where you, you dial like, zero and go, be. hey, can I get a, a fluffier pillow up here? I, I brought I my own pillow on the road. People used to like, I've been doing, I was doing it for I, years. I can't wait to get in those hotels to be in those pillows. Yeah. The big fluffy duvets. Oh, man. All right, anyhow, enough of yeah. that. But the point Sink is. into that. The point is, and he, and I don't know, maybe he's got a condo in Toronto or whatever. He's on the IL, and the sense I get, and Ross Atkins has said we only we hope it's only one start. The sense I get from people around the organization is they're kind of, yeah, if it's one start, that's great. If it's not, well, you know, we got Robbie Ray and Jose Barrios and Alec Manoa and we Steven Matz. Other you, options. Let's go. You've got four solid options, and let's be honest, you don't need five guys if you no. were able to get to the next round no. of the playoffs, and I know there's a lot of baseball in between. Don't get me wrong here. Uh, there is a one big game that is right in front of the Blue Jays for the taking. That's not going to be Hyunjin Ryu's start anyway. No. It's going to Robbie Ray. It's lined up that way. If there's a 163, it's going to be Jose Barrios. Like, that is how the Blue Jays are plotting their hand to play down the stretch. And right now, who do you trust more? If you're thinking about who to whittle off of the rotation, do you trust Steven Matz yep. more than you trust Hyunjin Ryu? Absolutely. Hands down. The and, eyes tell you. And Alec and the Manoa, results, obviously. Well, I mean, he's he's yeah. a slam dunk for me. Yeah. He's right behind Barrios. Yeah. It goes Robbie Ray, Jose Barrios, Alec Manoa for me. Hands down. And that's another reason why it's lined up the way that it is yeah. right now, coming away from what was skipped 
in the rotation to give him a little bit of a blow, but also also lines right. up Alec Manoa here. Um, but for me, in talking with people around the organization, it's a little bit of, it's certainly not panic. No. And it's a little bit of like, well, if he figures it out and we like what we see maybe in a bullpen between now and the end of the season, yeah, maybe there's a conversation. But to me, looking at where the Blue Jays are, looking at how they have the rotation lined up, looking at that Thomas Hatch has already joined this ball club down in Tampa that. Bay, yep. right? it sounds to me like Hyunjin Ryu is likely not to make another start the rest of the way. Yeah, and then, of course, then you've got a decision to make. And we walked through it uh, with you, Dan Shulman, and Joe Siddle before the game. Then you got a decision to make yeah. about the playoff roster. I don't, well, we shouldn't spend a great deal of time talking about that because oh. then we'll probably jinx it. The Jays no, will lose do all three against Tampa. And uh, But it it is... Funny, and I, I mentioned this to Bark. You know, you look back at 2017. He was left off the Dodgers postseason roster. It's the last time he had two starts like that. And they, Dave Roberts said, "I'm going to take a starter in the bullpen." He took Kenta Maeda. He left Hyunjin Ryu off the roster for the whole postseason. And look at why that as well. Not only the individual starts themselves, but the workload, the number of starts, yeah. the number of mm-hmm. innings. There was a point where it looked like. He just hits a wall. If you look at where his numbers have been, talking about Ryu, it looks like he maxes out mm-hmm. at a certain point. And maybe this is the point this year and also predicated by Oops. what after a 2020 season would look like. And down the stretch in 2020, it looked like he was getting a little leaky as well. Mm-hmm. He didn't look as crisp with the command. Didn't look as sharp. Um, and, and certainly... The Blue Jays needed that last year more than they need it right now because it's a much deeper roster right now. George Springer helping or hurting playing? That's, keeps keeps yeah. Alejandro Kirk's bat out of the lineup, doesn't he? It, that's the DH. The DH thing is mm-hmm. what's hurting right now. Um, I, but on the flip side, does Randall Gritchick help? Because Randall hasn't done a lot with the bat recently either, so... If George plays center field, and it sounds like he's on the cusp of doing that, trying to play really? center After field. After watching him yesterday. Really? Man. After oh. watching him yesterday, the swings were not good. And I think we talked either on the field or maybe um, from the ballpark. I asked about George and how his approach at the plate, if he's hampered by it, if his bat is slow. And timing was the thing that guys yeah. kept bringing up to me. Not necessarily the leg is hurting him. Uh, he can't hurt it anymore. But George has reported, and Charlie Montoyo talked about this earlier today, that he continues to feel better and better. But the timing is a bigger thing at the play. And that's the first time that I heard Charlie say that publicly. I've talked that's to people. True. Yes. I've talked <clears throat> to people behind the scenes and around the cage about George, and they have likened his issues at the plate, the time off, getting comfortable with the leg, and the leg is changing every day. Like some right. days it feels good, some days it doesn't feel that great. Some days he winces. Some days, you know, he takes real big hacks. If George can get to a point where that leg is at least feeling consistent, I think he helps. I think bottom line is George Springer would help in the lineup, whether he's playing defensively or not. Is 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 Charlie capable of going to him and saying, I see it, it doesn't look good, we're going to go a different route, or is it all George Springer? He's playing because George says he's playing. Right now he's playing because George says he's playing. And George is going to make the decision on whether or not he plays defensively. Now, if it's crunch time and decisions have to be made, that's the job of the manager, even though the player is trying to lobby in. Mm. And we have seen 
on the mound already a couple of times. Ryu specifically lobby to stay in the ball game. That didn't work out, but these games are too important, too important right now for me. I wanted to ask you something about Jose Barrios. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday and he was so good yesterday. It's like the, the question about his abdominal, it was almost, it was almost redundant. I mean, you had to ask cause he reported soreness and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was Keegan Matheson asked him in the post game and he goes, Oh, it's fine. Thanks to God, and I—I I mean, I was watching him pitch, and I'd forgotten the guy had an issue. I, I want to ask you about this. He's a durable guy. We know that. He took himself out of a game in Washington because he didn't feel good because of the heat. The heat had gotten to him. I didn't get. He just—he he, he was asked again. And he said, "Yeah." Uh, he was honest about his abdominal hurting a bit. They took him out of the game. I, I was thinking about this yesterday, Dan. Like, like this is. If I'm the Blue Jays and I figure out very soon that I can't sign Robbie Ray, I'm going to go to Jose Brios and try to get this dude to do a four or five year deal because I look at him. I like, and there are people out there saying, well, the guy took himself. I like the fact that a guy's comfortable enough with a new team because I've seen guys who aren't like that. I like the guy's comfortable enough in the new team to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm, it's kind of, let's do this. Like, I, I just think that shows a real awareness that I love in a guy that could be my ace. Awareness, a change perhaps in the culture, the sports mm-hmm. culture too, where baseball is right now, where you don't have to grind and play and potentially hurt yourself. Pitcher, you don't have to grind through if you're a pitcher. Right, and and the, let's look at it from 35,000 feet too. If you're Jose Barrios, do you want to try to grind through something and perhaps cost yourself yeah. an opportunity at an extension? No, the answer is no. You certainly don't want to do that. But there's a level of brutal honesty, I think, especially with the starting pitcher, somebody that's going to be so valuable. And remember a play that was late in that game where he mentioned the abdominal. He had to break on the follow-through, straighten himself up, get off to the third base side of the mound right. and make that play on the pop-up. Yeah. Is that the point where it flared on him? Maybe we'll never know. Uh, but I like the fact that somebody is at least going to be brutally honest with it. With, you, the, with the coach, with a pitching coach, with whoever. This this team loves playing behind him, doesn't it? Loves playing. He works quick. Yeah. He pounds the strike zone. Um, I mean, keeps keeps everybody on their toes. I think he's a fun guy to watch. I think he'd be a great guy to play behind. And hearing his teammates talk about him, and I've I've seen Jose Barrios pitch for a really long time. And right, you would have seen him. And yeah, I saw him on the way up with Rochester yeah. and they rave about the individual and I think that he was one of the guys that very quickly anointed himself as a blue Jay. You know, it takes some time for some guys, but mm-hmm. he was up there. Remember there were, there were chirps back and forth between the white Sox right. and, and the blue Jays. That was shortly after he came here and he was right there on the top defending his guys. So that, that kind of camaraderie was very early on display with Jose Barrios. Then we're going to let you go and rest up. Thanks for your insight. All right. Thanks, guys. Nice going. Robbie Ray continuing his assault on the Cy Young Award tonight. Think so? That's a slam dunk, buddy. Well, we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now, Parker, way to go there. Parker just said he... 
Just told Ben Wagner he hopes it's a five-hour game. That's like the guy who... He was mean to me. It's like the guy who... The, first, the rookie mistake you make in the press box where you stand up in the fourth inning and go, damn, this game's going fast. I'm going to be in the bar by 11. Oh, that sounds like you. You're that guy. I learned very quickly. You don't do that. You don't book a flight. If you're covering the postseason, you do not. You do not book your flight while the game is going on because bad stuff happens. Yeah. You just don't. Yeah. That's or like, if that's you do, like, you don't tell people. That's about like it. minor leagues whenever they book your flight and they book, you know, you have like those 12 o'clock games and everybody says swing at the first pitch. Not everybody swings at the first pitch. And then you have to, you have to run and you're yelling and screaming at taxi cab drivers because you're wanting to get home. And yeah. Uh, it is Baseball Central. Blair and Barker win the ninth inning of Baseball Central. Ben Wagner will uh, take over at 710. Robbie Ray, and we just see Robbie Ray in the uh, feed from the trop. Kevin Barker getting ready to uh, take the mound against the uh, Rays. Uh, the pants look a little looser. Absolutely do not. No, they do not look a little <laughs> looser, do they? No. Garrett Cole yesterday. Uh, stop it. I, I wish this stuff, I wish this stuff had, I wish we had a camera here. I, I, I really do. Oh, I don't. The, the stuff that happens, you know, people think, you know, Ben, and, and Ben, Ben's a great guy. Lovely guy. They think he's, the, the the level of humor when Barker and Ben are in the room together, it drops to depths that are even below my subterranean level of humor. Oh boy. Like you, you that's not you two true. are basically you're basically walking fart jokes. <laughs> that is, is essentially true. what you are. That is not true. Anyhow, Robbie Ray is going for the uh tonight. We saw Garrett Cole last night. I'm with you. That shot about Garrett Cole. Uh, a visit on the mound, looking back at the scoreboard. Everybody thinks he was looking at the J score. Man, I'll tell you what. If Garrett Cole's looking at the J score in the middle of a game, then then the New York Yankees have got serious problems. All that aside, though, Garrett Cole gets booed going off the mound. It was a weird weekend for individual award candidates. Robbie Ray gets booed by his own, gets booed going off the mound. Or not Robbie Ray. Um, Garrett Cole? Garrett Cole gets booed Boy, going off the mound. You. And uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. gets in a brawl in the dugout. Okay, not, not a brawl. Gets in an argument in the dugout with M Manny Machado. So two guys who are who are who are front runners. A little, little bit of tension there. A little bit of tension there. Look, I, I'll say this. Unless Robbie Ray does, you know what? Two and a third. I don't know how you don't give the dude the Cy Young Award. He already got it for me. Now you've been you've been tooting that. That horn for In innings pitch, twenty two quality starts. Look, this is the second time he's went back to back starts against the race. Uh, doing it in the yeah. doing it in the American League East. He's had some of those games in six games in one year he's against the same. And and think about this. This is how good Robbie Ray has been. He's making a sixth start against the first place team in the American League East. Think yeah, about that. Yeah, he's made he's made two starts at, at the Trump. He's faced forty seven batters. Jeez. He struck out 20 of them and only had one walk and two starts at the drop. Like to say, like, it's just next level stuff to the, the mechanics and, and the, everything that he, you know, the adjustments he's made pitch to pitch that he, that he couldn't make two years ago. We've, we've talked about this till, till we're blue in the face, just how good he is location in the, the, the 75% of the time that the slider's not a strike. And big league hitters over and over and over swing at it, and they miss it. They swing over top of it. 
you know, I, I, I would, I would just love for one time to go and stand in the bullpen and, and see why they keep continue missing it. But he's been outstanding for me. That award's already been won. If he gets eight strikeouts tonight, that'll be eight, eight. I mean, I'm laughing when I say this. Eight consecutive games uh, with eight plus strikeouts. And that would be a new, that would be a Blue Jays record. It would beat Roger Clemens' record set in 1997 and hold on to your steering wheels out there. A.J. Burnett's record set in 2007. Which shouldn't be a surprise. A.J. AJ it could, is a little bit of a surprise. A.J. could strike some people out. Don't forget, A.J. It wasn't A.J. Burnett. A.J. Burnett was the guy that had the no-hitter with like six walks or something like that. You know, that's that's A.J. That, that's A.J. Burnett, mm. Burnett's uh, career in a nutshell. Uh, we talked about the strikeout per nine innings, 11.25, the highest mark in Major League Baseball history. Um, but Kevin, I'm gonna. I want to get back to this six starts of the season against the Rays because that that really intrigues me. Uh, because you know, we always talk about how, hey, you know how you prove yourself in the American League East, and you prove yourself by beating the Yankees, you prove yourself by beating the Red Sox. The fact of the matter is, the past couple of years, the road has gone through Tampa. The road has gone through Tampa. I'm sorry to say that. That's a it, yes. It, it, it has gone through Tampa. Why does he have? This is a two-pitch pitcher. Yeah. Why does he have so much success against the Rays? Uh, it's location of those pitches. It's life of those pitches. Do you think it's today maybe we of see those him Absolutely flip not. a little curve or something I, like that? This is back-to-back starts. His last start, he what, he throw 101 pitches. Only four of those were not slider All or right. fastball. Why would you change it? He's, he's, All right. he's right now. He's the front runner to win the Cy Young. You're going to reinvent the wheel. If you can't hit it, why would I change it up? You're not. It's it's I've, I've said this and I'll continue to say it. I wasn't the only one that, that had trouble hitting the fastball in. You have to be so mechanically sound and you got a guy that can move plates to hitters, which is exactly what he's done. Okay, explain, he, sorry, well, explain the, that. The, explain the black, that. The black into a to a right handed hitter. He's moved half the plate further into the right handed hitter. He's how? established that. Well, what how you do that is you establish throwing strikes in early, okay. and then you start to expand. And the more you throw strikes in there, like say you take the, a right-handed hitter takes three or four pitches, and they're all strikes, and they're on the black in there, and then that hitter's telling himself, "Uh-oh, now I got to get it going. Now I got to open up the front hip because that's got some giddy up to it, and I'm having a real tough time picking it up because he has a lot of deception to it with his turn. He shows you the pocket. He shows you his number. You don't see the baseball till it's right on you. Now you got to cheat. Now what do you do when you cheat? You lose plate awareness. So you start to expand, expand the plate instead of 17 inches. All of a sudden, that thing is... 38. <laughs> it's big. So that's why he's he starts to get more swing and misses because he establishes strikes in. That's why it's more important. You look tonight. If he can get some called strikes in there, called strikes from an umpire, that will tell that hitter, uh-oh, he's locating that, he's mechanically sound with that, now I got to start swinging it, and that's why he expands with the slider and elevates the four-seamer, and his pants tend to get tighter the more people he strikes out. <laughs> well, I was going to say this. One thing about Robbie Ray's outings, you know, now people know who he is. Umpires know who he is. He gets the benefit of the doubt in a lot of close calls. I think he more more earns that. Oh, he earns. Yeah, I'm not saying that. No, no, no. I, I, listen, or, or, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that's a bad earn, thing. You earn that early in games. You have to establish establish that early. That's why everybody says any pitching coach you ever talk to. What's the only thing they are, they ever say? Strike one, and being having quality strikes with your fastball. If you can do that, everything else will fall in place. What's Robbie Ray do? 
for a strike one in to right-handed hitters, away to left-handed hitters, and then he starts expanding with the slider. And he gets quick outs that way because, again, it's it's not the easiest thing mechanically to get athletic. Change your eye where you want the pitch, which is out in front of the plate. No, oh, by the way, it's 96 with late life and deception. That's why he strikes out a bazillion people and he makes big league hitters look like they're not big league hitters. Obviously, we like the Jays to sweep. But realistically, realistically, they got they got seven games this week. You got three against Tampa, four in many, right? There's no off day. So they got three against Tampa, four in Minnesota. Then you got the Yankees coming home. And you can, you can frankly win your postseason spot against the Yankees. Yeah. What do you need to do in these seven games? Five and two? Yeah, well, I think you got to win the series. Take two out of three from Tampa, three out of four from Minnesota. You have an off day. You go into Yankees. You have the Yankees. Hopefully, you can take at least two out of three from them. You, you step on Baltimore's neck. You start rolling into the playoffs. Maybe you're hosting the game. Wouldn't it be – just thinking about where this team is now. Wouldn't it be, and this is going to be a real captain obvious suggestion. But it would be great to have those two games against Baltimore mean basically nothing. So you could – Maybe pitch Ryu. Maybe pitch Ryu. Yeah, I, a lot of this, and I hate to say it's probably going to come down to George Springer. George Springer's basically done nothing for the last week and some change. Are you surprised that that, that Ben and, and other people who are like that think think he's so close to playing in the outfield? I, I'm shocked. If you're Charlie, well, you, you see the same thing everybody else sees when they're watching the team. The I shall TV. tell you what, I sure as hell wouldn't do it at the Trop. Our official it's, turf. It's, but he's going to be playing our official turf I mean, in Toronto. Starting you. and stopping is a big deal for him when he's running. What do you have to do in the outfield? Yeah. That's a, you're, you're punishing your team because you're forcing something because you want to get another bat in the lineup. That's basically the only reason why you're doing that. Why do that? If that's, the case, if that's the case and offensively, you don't think George Springer can give you what you think George can give you offensively, don't play him. Oh, that Puts more pressure to, on everybody else. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, I mean, the idea is... The idea is you want to get Alejandro Kirk's bat in the lineup at, at, at DH on days when he isn't. Today you don't have to worry about it because he's 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 starting because Robbie Ray. Catch him more. And then you can put in a defensive replacement late in games. If you like yeah. Danny and the way he blocks and the way he still strikes and his game calling, put him late in games. Yeah. Do that if you want Kirk's bat in the lineup. That's an easy thing. Don't overthink it. Who who's who's the best three who's the best hitter out of the catchers? If you think it's Kirk, Kirk in the lineup. Yeah, but you can't you – know, boy, defensively, I can't have him out there late in games. Why would you? I can't have him out there late in games. Hopefully, by the time you're turning it over that bullpen, you got the lead. You got and the then lead, at you that point, the you can play defense. That's, that's fair. Go. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, at that point, maybe he's – maybe as bad as helped give you the lead, and now you're – but. But it may be – it may be more important for George to get hot than Kirk in the, in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, no, maybe. I, I, I just, uh, maybe it's, maybe I haven't been been paying close enough attention, but I, I keep thinking back to what I see when I watch George Springer running and moving, and it just does not scream to me. Put me in, coach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, silly, it, almost. It, it it really doesn't. It it no. doesn't. I mean, and I. I guess the question is, do I, I guess you have to find out, you know, the, 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 the nice thing, the thing you'd like to see is George Springer to 
go two for four as a DH tonight and maybe go two for four tomorrow. And then you're going, okay, well, it's given us something at the plate. Let's leave well enough alone. Let's just leave well enough alone. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I'm about uh, winning and about people's feelings. So this is the Jays lineup again. We'll give you a quick rundown. By the way, congratulations, Salvador Perez, home run number 46, oh. moving past Johnny Bench for the most home runs in a single season by a catcher. That's awesome. Sal Perez is going to be in some MVP ballots, down ballot, down ballot guy. He slam dunked the best catcher in baseball too. He has. He's taking that. He's taking that right over. He's the best catcher in baseball. Yeah, there's no. <clears throat> I don't, I don't. Everything that goes into being a catcher, he's the best at it. Yep. For me, anyway. For the Jays, George Springer leading off at DH, Marcus Semien, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Oscar Hernandez, Alejandro Kirkler, Scurriel Jr., Randall Grichuk, Jake Lamb at third base. The Rays lineup, Yandy Diaz, Nelson Cruz, Randy Rosarina, Manuel Margot, Jordan Luplo, Joey Wendell, Francisco Mejia, Taylor Walls, Kevin Kiermeyer, and as we mentioned, Shane Boz making his major league debut for the Rays against Robbie Ray. We're just watching warm up in the bullpen right now. The Jays. They are 21 and 9 at home this season. They've won seven straight series. They're looking to uh, rack up some road wins with the first of seven road games, three in Tampa, four in Minnesota, then it's back home. Face the Yankees. That's it for us. Ben Wagner's got the call in just a few minutes. Robbie Ray continues his assault his pursuit of the American League Cy Young. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Enjoy the game. If you haven't, get out and vote.